Well, Father, may that be the cry of our heart. May that be the words that we literally sing, that it's the breath in our lungs. And God, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for the hope and the desire, the passions we have. And God, I pray that each one of us would have a passion to get to know you more, to grow deeper so that we can be a new us, so that we're not the same as we were last year. We're not gonna repeat those things, but God, we pray that you would speak to us through the power of your word, that your spirit would move, that you would change us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you think about those, I know for many of you, you have known for a while that my dad was diagnosed just a little over a year ago with stage four bone cancer. Um, And that song took on new life to me because it literally became my prayer that uh, as as his bones cried out, really in the, 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 the breaking down of his body, as his bone cries out, as his bones cried out in agony of death or near death, that uh, God would do a miraculous thing. And so last week, my dad had a PET scan. Um, and for those of you who don't know or haven't been following on Facebook, if you're not connected to Facebook, that the PET scan came back uh, with no signs no visible signs of cancer on his bones at that point. Now, the, yes, yeah, yeah. And we look at that as a, uh, an answered prayer. I also do know the reality is that bone cancer never goes away. Once you have bone cancer, it's bone cancer, all right? So, but what the good news is, is that some of the growths that he had in various areas on his leg, up on his back, even in a spinal column and things like that, uh, there is no visible cancer at all in the PET scan showing no tumors. There's still cancer within his bones, but no tumors growing out of that. So it's, a, it's an answer to prayer. It's an excitement. And that, like I said, that song brought on new life because my bones literally cry out in agony. And that should be really our prayer that our bones would cry out in agony, even in the midst of facing death and discouragement, things like that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians three, We're going to be continuing our New Things series. And while you do that, I want to encourage you with this because, uh, as a matter of fact, if you are not a member, you're interested in becoming a member, I want to invite you to be a part of our new members class starting next week. It's three weeks. It'll introduce you to some things. But I also want to make this plug to let you know that after our new members class, I'm going to be teaching a class on the life coach discipleship, all right? And for those of you who don't know, here's one of our goals. We talked about multiplying ourselves out. We wanna see churches planted or replanted. I know around Independence and I know around the area that there are many places or many churches that are struggling. They're struggling to grow. Um, They're struggling to impact their society, their culture that they're in. They're struggling to make ends meet. Some churches are closing. Matter of fact, we talked about last week that Rockwood Baptist Church Right here in Independence over by the Rockwood Golf Course just recently voted to close down. They are done. They have a church that's meeting there. Uh, a, a, trying to remember, it might be a, it might be a, what is it? Haitian. I was going to say Jamaican. Haitian church meeting there. Um, but I also will tell you that that, that building is in badly, badly needed, uh, badly, badly in disrepair and needs some very serious updates. And so there's a number of things going on. But I, I stand by this, and here's the thing I want to encourage you, and the reason, the reason why we're going to push towards this, um, I would even encourage you to download it. You can look up this app right now. It's Life Coach with Brandon Park. Brandon Park is the pastor at First Baptist Church Raytown, now called Connection Point. Um, they have since gone to a multi-campus site. They have a church now in Lee Summit. They have their, their campus there in Raytown. That's why they name changed. But Life Coach app, because here's the deal. When you download this app, you can look at it. It's making everybody 
or giving you the opportunity to be a disciple maker. So I open up this app right now. I can go to any week. So the first week is on salvation. There are five videos as well as studies, devotionals that go with each video for that week. We're going to go through it and we're going to we're going to use this more or less as a new believer slash maybe you've never really grown or been discipled in the past. This is going to be our entry level thing. And so in, in a couple of weeks after our new members class, I'm going to be teaching this on Sunday morning during it. And here's the deal. And here's what I'm telling you. And this is what I want to encourage you with. And this is why I said, if you have your phone, I would download the app right now. All right. Because we're going to use this. It is your job and your responsibility to go and make disciples. You get that picture? It is your job and your responsibility, along with my job or my responsibility, as a result of what Christ has done for us, he told us to go and make disciples. That's the last thing he gave us, all right? And so this app is a very simple app you can use. Matter of fact, you can invite your friends to do it. When you're at work, you can say, hey, would you download this app and, and, and will you just Will you work with me? Matter of fact, there may be people who say, hey, I don't want nothing to do with church. I want nothing to do with Jesus. But they may take this app and they may start to have some discussions with you. All right? And this is a very simple thing to get the discussion started. And so in week one, what is the gospel? How can I really be saved? Or how can I be sure I'm really saved? Can I ever lose my salvation? How can I grow in my relationship with God? And why is baptism such a big deal? That's week number one. All right? And as you get done with it, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to grow in this relationship. You'll get some of the basics down. So I want to encourage you to download that app. We're going to be using it on a consistent basis. I want to challenge you to do it, um, to, to use it and find a way to use it in your daily life. So Colossians chapter three, beginning in verse one, says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. What's he say? Set your hearts on what? What? Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then verse two, set your what? Mind on things above. So there's this heart aspect and there's this mind aspect. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So before we go on and read the rest of it, I want you to understand what's going on. If we want to experience a new thing like we talked about, and we believe that God is going to do a new thing in your life, and I hope you understand this. If God isn't doing something new in your life on a daily, weekly, or possibly even monthly or yearly basis, there may be an issue. And usually the issue is not God. Matter of fact, let me say this. The issue is not God, not usually. The issue is not God. The problem is not God. It's not the fact that God has walked away and said, hey, I'm not gonna do anything new in their life. It's the fact that you have walked away from God in the covenant relationship with, with which he wants to relate with you. You guys understand that the covenant relationship that we see all throughout Old Testament and New Testament was when God made a covenant with his people, God kept his promise. Who are the ones that violated the covenant? People did. It's always been that way. And what I want you to understand is it is always going to be that way. Anytime somebody begins to question God, you begin to doubt God, you begin to look at the big picture and say, God, you're not doing anything in my life. The reality is it always goes back to you or me. It always comes back on us. And I love, listen, I love new things. Anybody else not like new things? You're like, oh, I just hate new things. I love new things. 
Matter of fact, when my parents were here, not, well, I guess it's been about a year ago or so, they decided they wanted to go look at new cars. They thought, maybe we can get a better deal in Kansas City than we can in Wyoming. So we were looking at new cars. Oh, man, getting in a new car, especially a new car with leather. Oh, it's like, oh. And you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, heck yeah. Or, or anybody ever had new carpet put in your house? That old carpet gets ripped out and they put that new carpet down. You got that new carpet smell. Oh, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like the smell of new. You walk into something new. When you smell that newness, there's just, there's just something about it. And everybody likes new things. We like to sit down. We're not, we're not like fanatics, but yet at the same time, we'll take advantage of it. I like to watch Fixer Upper or Flipper Flop. And here's the reason why. Number one, I always look for ideas for my house. Like, ooh, I, I think I could do that. All right. But number two, I love seeing something that's trashed and dirty and nasty, something that's been abused and left behind by somebody else. And somebody sees this beautiful picture of what could be and they make it happen. There is nothing like when you see the pictures at the start, at the very end, they always show the before pictures and then the after pictures. Nothing beats that. Nothing beats that. And I think that's exactly how our lives should be day in and day out. That when I take a snapshot of myself on January 1st, 2018, January 1st, 2019 should not be the same thing. Why? Because God is going to do a work in your life on a daily basis as a result of you remaining committed to your relationship and growing in that relationship with him. And so there's a number of things that we have to begin to understand. If we want to experience a new thing in our life, we have to begin to experience God in our life on a daily basis. And you're not going to experience God in your life on a daily basis if you completely neglect God and the way he chose to speak to us. You realize that he chose to speak to us through his what? His word. He left it for us for a reason or to us for a reason. The reason was so that we can grow to know him, to love him, to follow him, to be obedient to him, and to do what he said we should do in the first place. And so I love the smell of new things, and I love to watch how God works in the lives of people. This is one of the beautiful things about ministry. It's one of the toughest things about ministry, but you want to know what the one, one of the most beautiful things about ministry is? It's to watch how God unleashes his power and his grace and mercy on the lives of the people within the church. There is nothing else like it. When you see God get a hold of somebody and change their heart, change their desires to change their heart and their mind and their passions and everything else, and you see that person come on fire and do the things that God had called them to do, there is nothing like it. And what I'm here to tell you is this, that every one of us in this room God wants to use in that exact same way so that who you were, like I said, in January 1st of 2018 is not going to be the same person as January 1st, 2019. God wants to do a new thing. And I believe it starts with that. See, as a follower of Christ, God wants you to be aware of the power of the cross. He wants you to understand the depth of his love, the power of his forgiveness, and he has a desire for you to know him in a greater way. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this today. New life in Christ leads to a new heart and mind that must focus on things above. And when I ask you that question, do you spend time focusing on the things that God wants you to focus on or do you focus on everything else? 
Because the reality is if we do a check, if we do an internal checklist of everything that we do, the reality is most of us would say we focus on other things, don't we? We focus on everything else instead of focusing on what God has told us to focus on, what God has called us to focus on. As a matter of fact, your Bible may say something like this at the start of chapter three, rules for holy living. If you want to live a life that's set apart, a life that's different, a life that's holy, then follow these things. And Paul lays it out. So how do I experience a new me? You know, we talked about fixer upper, we talk about flip or flop, we talk about a, a number of those things, but how do I experience a new me? That I can experience a makeover, more or less, in my relationship. That I can experience a makeover and have God make me into who I'm really supposed to be. What does he want me to be? Number one, I believe is this, and we have to, we have to do this. How do I experience a new me? Number one, set your heart on things above. All right, listen to what he says again. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. So here's the reality, here's the truth. This is an if-then clause. What does that mean? What is an if-then clause? It's a conditional, right? If you do this, then this will happen, all right? If-then, there's a since-then, all right? And what he's talking about is he's going back to the first part of Colossians chapter two. Listen to what he says when, in Colossians chapter two. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. I am alive as a result of Christ. I experience life and life more abundantly as a result of what Christ did for me on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. So I get to experience life in Christ so if then, or since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. There's a beautiful story here that goes on, a beautiful picture that I believe pictures or points us to baptism. What does baptism celebrate or, or symbolize? New life in Christ. <clears throat> baptism literally is a beautiful picture of us being dipped underwater, buried in the grave. Our life is no longer in existence. You get that picture, right? Paul lays it out. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been buried. So baptism, when we talk about it, when we celebrate it, when somebody does it, baptism is literally that. You are dead. You are dead in your trespasses and sin, but you are raised to walk in new life. And there is a, a, a beautiful picture here that we just begin to see. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You realize that baptism represents that. When you make your profession of faith, when you say, I put my faith and trust in Christ that I have chosen, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, I confess with my mouth that he rose again. When you do that, that's your confessional thing. But baptism is just that outward confession of the inward commitment. So that's the follow through. That's the, the choice that you make. And since then, you have been raised with Christ as a result of being raised in Christ. Because I am in Christ, we are made holy by our position in Christ and Christ alone. I love the fact that we just sang that song, in Christ alone, my hope is found. I wanna ask you that question. Is that the truth? Is that where you stand? Is that what you believe? Because here's what he says. And in order to understand all of this, we have to understand that there are two commands in this calling that Paul is laying out. 
Matter of fact, there's actually three once we get into verse five, but these two commands in this first section in chapter uh, three, verses one through four, literally are commands. They're imperatives that Paul says. If you want to experience something new in your life, you want to experience that new thing, God working a new work in your life, you have to focus on these things. And here's what he says. Set your heart on things above. When I set my heart on things above, then I'm setting my desires, my passions. As a matter of fact, you'll see on there, it says moral desires. You begin to set your heart on those things. And I want to ask you that very simple question. Does your heart long for, yearn for, desire what God desires, or does your heart long for the things of this world? Because the reality is when I put my faith and trust in Christ and I have been buried in Christ and I'm raised to walk in new life, Paul's saying this, you have to set your heart on the things above. It is a command he's laying out. It is something that you have to choose to do. It is a daily process of choosing to set my heart on the things above. Do you let the world tear you down? Do you let the heart flow and go after things are in the world? Or do you set your heart on things above? Do you have desires that are godly desires? I know, I know many people who will do all kinds of things to get the next leg up in the business ventures to move up the ladder of success. But I want to ask you this question, and it's, there's nothing wrong. Hear me out. There's nothing wrong with that as long as that's not your number one desire. What drives you? What motivates you? What pushes you through life? What is it that just gets you fired up day in and day out, that gets you excited? That's literally what Paul's saying. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See, what he's saying is you need to develop the habit of focusing on things above. Develop a habit. How long does it take to develop a habit? Anybody know? 21 days is really what they say. Yeah, yeah, three weeks. You're close. Three weeks, 21 days. They say develop a habit. How easy is it to break a habit? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, woo, I got through it 21 days, 22. Psh, it's gone. Oh, man, just broke it. It's easy to break a habit. You and I have to develop a habit of focusing on things above. That's literally what Paul's saying. Set your heart on things above. You have to make the desire, the conscious choice to say, I choose to follow Jesus because the reality is, when, we, when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, what we end up doing is we choose TV or we choose work or we choose a distraction rather than choosing to follow God. And what we end up doing is we create a habit of focusing on everything else instead of focusing on things above. See, Paul is commanding the Colossians to evaluate the desires and to set their, th their minds on things above or their, their hearts on things above. See, if you want to experience a new you, you have to be changed by Christ first. If you want to experience a new year, I mean, new year, new you, if you want to experience that, you have to be changed by Christ first. That's the beauty of how this story starts out or this section of scripture. Since then, you have been raised 
with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Paul's talking to Christians. He's talking to brothers. He's talking to other believers. And he's saying, you have to make the conscientious choice to set your heart on things above. And I just want to ask you, where's your heart? Because when I start talking about multiplying, when I start talking about making disciples, I know what's going through most people's minds. You're crazy, bro. I'm not doing it. You're asking me to to ask somebody at work to download an app and we're going to walk through this app together? Yeah. And maybe it's not the app. Maybe you have something else you're doing, but I'm going to ask you that question. Do you set your heart on things above? Is your desire to see the church grow? Is your desire to see your relationship with Christ grow? Is your desire to see the community around us changed by the truth of Jesus Christ? Is your desire to see the world changed as a, as a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Those are the big questions. When your heart is set on those things, this is what I love about scripture. When my heart is set on things above, what Jesus says is this, everything else will be given to you. Everything else will be added to you. Why? Because I'm going to take care of everything else when you focus on me first. You want to experience a new year? You want to experience a new you? Set your heart on things above. Listen, here's the big kicker because we talk about our moral desires. (coughs) Excuse me. Here's my question. Do your morals, do your values line up with what scripture teaches or do they line up with what you believe should be acceptable because we live in a politically correct world? When I set my heart on things above, I let my desires, my passions, my morals be dictated by God's word, not by my opinion. Set your hearts on things above. You want to experience a new you? Set your heart on things above. That's literally what he's telling us to do. Following Jesus is a new way of life. Is new hope, new passions, new desires. And I believe wholeheartedly that too many people want Jesus, but they don't want to change the way they live or the way they think or the way they act or what they believe. We got Jesus for fire insurance But don't ask me to change my thought process. Don't ask me to change my moral standards. Don't ask me to change my beliefs on everything else. But what Paul's saying here in Colossians is you, if you want to experience, if you want to understand what new life means, if you want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, then you have to understand that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, he gives you a new heart and a new mind that must be, listen, must be focused on things above. So if I want to experience a new me, I have to focus on things above. Number two, I want to experience a new me. I have to set my mind on things above, all right? So we have our heart, right? Our heart, our desires, our passions, our values, that's what we've got. But when we set our mind on things above, what are we focusing on? Our mental values, our thoughts. What is your thought process? How does your thought process play in your life? I'm going to show you how usually we do this, all right? And I know how I was taught. 
<clears throat> what I was taught when you were growing up is when you came to making a decision, you would list all the positives and all the negatives. Anybody ever been taught that? What's the positives? What's the negatives? Let me ask you this question. You think Paul was successful in life because he listed the positives and negatives of persecution? Well, God, you know what? That's really not a positive for me. So I'm really not going to stand for truth right now because all I can see is negative. All I can see is whips and chains and persecution and prison. Positives and negatives, while good, may lead you down the wrong path because you're choosing the worldly things rather than setting your mind on things above. And so it goes something like that. Our morals should be drastically different, but so should the way we think. What you put into your mind is what you get out of your heart. You ever thought about that? What you put into your mind is what you get out of your heart. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I begin to take in certain things. I begin to let my mind focus on negative things. I begin to let my mind drift and wander from the truth of Scripture and drift and wander into false teachings and false theology and false ideas and false thoughts. What I end up getting is false beliefs. Why? Because I've let my mind wander. I haven't set my mind on things above. I let my mind wander into worldly things and worldly desires when we should really be changing the way we think. How do you think about every scenario and situation you're put in? Being honest, most of us would say, every scenario and situation I put myself in or I am in, I usually tend to lean towards worldly things. Like when somebody lashes out, what am I going to do back? I'm going to lash out back. When somebody cuts me off, I'm going to yell. When somebody chews me out, I'm going to respond in a certain way. Matter of fact, the other day I was taking something, kind of, I really, I, I, I'm, going to sp- I'm going to speak honestly here because I, I was taking something Salvation Army the other day, all right? It was a piece of furniture. And I pull up, and as I pull up, there's a gentleman parked there. Only oh, the gentleman's not parked in one parking spot. He's parked in two. Now I have nowhere to park. So I pull up. All I've got is one thing. I've got a chair. I grab the chair out of the back of my truck. He's walking back to his truck. So I roll the chair over, and as I turn around, he's right in my face. And he goes, excuse you. And you know what I wanted to do right away? Well, excuse you, you jerk. And I mean, literally, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to pipe back. You know, this guy's got, I'm going to put him in his place. And I kept my mouth shut. My wife would have been happy. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut and I got back in the truck and I went, you stinking jerk. I literally said that just like that. You stinking jerk. Now I controlled myself up to a certain point, but I want you to think when I set my mind on things above, there are going to be things that I'm going to do that are going to be different than what I would have done in the past. Now listen to me, I'm wholeheartedly, my mind was not set on things above at that point. My mind was, well, you're the jerk who took up two parking spots. You're the moron who walked right up behind me. I mean, it's kind of like invading personal space. I mean, I set the chair down, I roll over and I turn around and he's right there. It's like, who does that? And then he has the gall to say, excuse you. It's like, 
you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? But I kept my mouth shut until I got in the truck, and then I piped off. When I set my mind on things above, we begin to learn to say, hey, you know what? That's not a big deal. Who knows what that guy's day has been like? Who knows what he's going through? Who knows why he's donating what he had? Maybe he's lost everything. Maybe he's giving everything up that maybe somebody passed away and he's giving away the things of his wife or something. I have no clue. I don't know what he's going through. But I have to begin to set my mind on things above because then I begin to change the way I respond to people. See, your desires can only be changed through spiritual training. Do you understand that? My mental desires, the things in my mind can only be changed through mental, spiritual training. I change the way I treat others by changing my heart as a result of what God does in my life. So when I set my mind on things above, I don't think about what the person just did to me. I think about how can I be a benefit to this person as a result of them being a jerk to me? Because my mind is now set on things above rather than set on the things of the world. Look, and this is not easy. I believe it wholeheartedly has to be trained. What happens when you go into to, to some sort of physical training? Matter of fact, we talked a little bit about last year how everybody likes to sign up and go to the gym for about the first month. And then after that first month, they just disappear. They're gone and everything's the way it is. But when I go into legitimate physical training, when we used to do PT when I was in the Navy, you don't just build up and run five miles or for the sake of my wife with all her half marathons. You don't just make a decision and say, hey, I'm going to go run 13 miles today. You build up the process. You train your body to respond in a situation. And likewise, if I want to set my mind on things above, I have to begin to train my life spiritually through the, the, the teaching of God's word to be able to respond and set my mind on those things above. So if I want to have a new me, I have to set my heart on things above and I have to set my mind on things above. And the reality is this, when those two things work hand in hand, everything else falls under them because your mind and heart dictate how you respond. You get that? Your mind and heart dictate how you respond to everything that's going on around you. So our goal as a church, our goal as individuals is to call people to Christ and away from earthly things. It's to call to peace from chaos, a call to forgiveness from wrath, and a call to life from death. And so as he says that, he says to set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Listen to verse three. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him. So there's three reasons wholeheartedly that I see here that he says, in order to do this, in order to experience it, in order to, to experience that new life, we have to understand that our hearts and minds should be changed for three main reasons. Number one, we were raised with Christ. So my heart and mind should be changed, should be set on things above because we were raised with Christ. Listen to what he says. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So there's reason number one. Why should my heart and mind be changed or focused on those things? Because I'm dead. And the life I live is now lived with Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ 
in God. Number two, our life is in Christ. This is what he says. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So it is with that. When Christ who is your life, which is literally what he says, we will, our, our life is in Christ. So he says, who is your life? When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And here's the third thing. Here's the three reasons why we said our hearts and minds should be changed because of this. Because we will appear with Christ in glory. You get that picture of what he's saying in verse four? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Because here's the promise. According to scripture, when Jesus Christ comes back, what's gonna happen? We're gonna be caught up with him in glory. Matter of fact, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It'll talk about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, it's gonna happen. And so what we begin to understand is we set our hearts on things above, we set our minds on things above. Why? Because we were raised with Christ, because our life is in Christ, and because when Christ appears, we will appear with him in glory. Look, I know in the past, a lot of times, we don't focus on the end game. But the reality is the end game is the point, is it not? There is a reason you have put your faith and trust in Christ, and that is because you have no hope and you have no life apart from Christ and you have no eternity apart from Christ. You have no eternity with God apart from Christ. Let me clarify that. So number one, you set your heart on things above. Number two, you set your mind on things above. Number three, how do I experience a new me? Listen to what he says. You have to slay the old nature. Verse five, put to death. <coughs> this is a command. This is an infinitive. This is what he's saying. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, I love to hunt. We've talked about that on multiple occasions. I have a reason to hunt. I support my family, all right? I don't just go out to hunt and then throw whatever it is away. But listen to what he's saying. You have to slay the old self. You have to put to death the old nature. You have to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Whatever was buried in the baptism aspect should be staying there. And here's the reality of what we see played out. It is a constant process that I have to put to death my old nature, my old nature, my sinful nature. I have to slay it. I have to kill it. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he learns to beat his body into submission. Why? Because then he jumps on and he says, because the things I know I should do, I don't do. And the things I don't do, I do. So I learn to submit, to slay, or to put to death my old nature. I have to take that in. I put to death, I put it to death based on the truth of Scripture. And he says this, and he unpacks it in a number of ways. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he unpacks these five main things. Number one, sexual immorality. We can talk about it. We can dig into it. We can understand what he's saying, but it's literally this, it's adultery. Matter of fact, I don't know if you realize this, but the Greek word for sexual immorality is porneia, which is where we get our word pornography from. It's where we get our term pornography from, sorry. And it's literally breaking the covenant of marriage. So sexual immorality is something that breaks the covenant of marriage between a husband and wife. Now, you may say, well, I'm not married, so it's not that big a deal. Listen, the next one's for you, impurity. Impurity literally carries us any impure motives or thoughts that flood your mind and lead to action. 
So when I take part in a relationship outside of a marriage relationship in a sexual way, that is an impurity. When I let things that flood my thoughts and minds lead to action, that is an impurity. And I have to put it to death. Not keep it trapped in a cage and let it out of the cage every now and then. I have to put it to death. If an animal, a violent animal, had attacked multiple people, what would happen in the world today? Violent animal attacks multiple people, wounds, maybe kills some people. What, what do they do to that animal? Here's the problem. You know what most of us do with an animal in our life, that violent animal that wants to attack us? We come back to this cage and we open it up and we put it in there. We're like, no, now you just stay there. And when I need you, I'm going to come back for you. And we're going to see if things change. And what Paul's saying is you can't let that violent animal live. You have to slay that animal. You have to slay the tendency of that sin that's in your life. You have to defeat it. You have to put it to death. And I do that through the power of the cross. Number three, he says this, any sexual immorality, any impurity, any lust. As a matter of fact, lust, and I love this. Ed Young Jr. said this a long time ago. I've never forgot this. Lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. Anything you lust after oftentimes is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. You have short-circuited the desire God gave you. So when I lust after something, it's a strong desire that has gone bad. And listen, he lays it out. It's, it literally means this uncontrolled or habitual lust. And when lust goes unchecked, a passion for what is forbidden rises up. When my lust goes unchecked, the passion for something that I'm not supposed to have access to rises to the top. So Paul says, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Why? Because lust will lead me down a path I will never recover from because the lust leads me into doing things I know I'm not supposed to do. See, lust encourages passion and passion produces more perverted lust. You ever thought about that? Lust is a vicious cycle because I get a little bit of a fix and I lust for more. And I get a little bit of a fix and I lust for more. And I get just a little bit more and I lust for more. That's, that's why we have addiction issues. Whether it's pornography, gambling, addiction to an alcohol or drugs or anything like that. When we get into those things, it's just an addiction. It's an addiction that our body has to have met. And we begin to think that. And Paul says, put it to death. Don't hold on to it. Number five, or number four, sorry, greed. Greed places something or someone ahead of God. When we desire to have something or someone ahead of God, it's a strong movement towards something that is out of God's will. So we get greedy over whatever it is. And so he says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Why is greed idolatry? Because you've now placed it above God. You've now placed it above. Matter of fact, all of these things, these five sins, are literally sins of personal aggression. And the person who commits them thinks more of themselves than they do of others. And listen to this. Whenever I go down that road, that's literally a violation of the great commandment. What's the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. When I give in to those things, when I allow those things to reign in my life, then what I do is I give in to, or I violate, sorry, the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. 
because what you say is I'm better than these other individuals. I have to meet this desire. And so I slay the old nature. And then here's the last thing. Number four, if I want to experience a new life, I have to set my heart on things above. I set my mind on things above. I have to slay the old nature. And then I have to rid my life of attitudes. Listen to these attitudes. And he unpacks it very simply. Verse six, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So he's talking about the previous ones. Because of these uh, uh, earthly nature, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Verse eight, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. So listen, if I want to experience a new life, I have to rid my life of these attitudes. Anger that can lead to violent outbursts of rage. I have to listen to this fact that rage is literally violent, uncontrollable anger. Evil means evil thoughts or intentions or motives. Slander means I'm giving out secret or evil reports about somebody. Listen, Paul is writing this to the church at Colossae. So it's not above anybody who's a follower of Christ to give in to these things. That's why Paul says you have to slay the old nature and you have to rid yourself of all of these things. It's kind of the idea of flushing it down the toilet. It's gone. Don't leave access to it. Don't try and get it back. But I go after this. And then filthy language is dirty or obscene talk. And I just ask you this thought process to this question. In your life, do those things wage war? Do those things lead you down the path? Because he says you've got to get rid of them. You must rid yourself of all such things as these. And then verse nine, I love how he wraps up with verse nine. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. In Romans chapter six, and I'm gonna wrap up with this. In Romans chapter six, Paul says this, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, it says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. That that term instrument literally means this. Do not offer any part of your body as a weapon of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of of righteousness or as a weapon of righteousness. When I choose, when I follow God, when I set my heart on things above, when I set my mind on things above, then what I do is I am offering my life as a weapon of righteousness. When I don't slay the things of the past, when I don't rid myself of those attitudes, then what I do is I offer my body or my life as an instrument of wickedness. And that right there is where Satan loves to play. And that right there is where Satan loves to tear apart the church. And I'm not just talking our church. I'm just talking the church, the people of God. When Satan can get a hold of and use and manipulate the situations and circumstances because our mind isn't set on things above and our heart isn't set on things above and instead we lash out with anger or we respond with some sort of sin, then Satan has a heyday and he loves it. Because then you're not experiencing everything that God wanted you to experience in the first place. 
So here's the closing statement. If you want to experience a new year and a new you, practice those four things. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Put to death or slay the old nature and rid yourself of these bad attitudes or these bad habits that have invaded your life. Because I wholeheartedly believe this. If you want to experience life and life more abundantly as the Bible talks about it, as Jesus offers, the only way you'll do it is when you fall in line with what God has called you to do, when you put yourself under the authority of God's word, when what he says matters and when you put it into practice, then and only then will I experience the life that God had created me for from the get-go. Let's pray. God, you know exactly where we all are. You know each and every circumstance and situation we face. You know the difficulties and struggles. You know our attitudes. You know the sins. You know the things we've given into. But God, I pray today that maybe, just maybe, it's a simple thing that we have to begin to set our heart and our mind on things above, that we can focus on you, that we can be focused on your desires, your passions, your mission, your glory. And so God, would you have your way in our church? Would you call us to repentance if we need to repent? Would we confess openly where we know there is sin in our life? But God, we also know that you won't leave us there, that you wanna take us forward, you wanna make us new, you wanna make us whole, and that we can have success because we've been obedient to you. So God, we pray that you would have your way today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.